Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen across the world, you're listening to Primetime Radio Show. This is your host, Noah Dulovu, broadcasting live from the great state of Indiana. We are back at it again. So today we have a very exciting, interesting discussion topic. We have assembled a panel of guests from different countries. So we'll be able to dissect and juggle our topic, which is Africa's Liberation Day or Africa's mm-hmm. Freedom Day, which is May the 25th, which was yesterday. Today is the 26th. But we will just want to spend an hour to discuss what uh, African liberation is. So before we go any further, let me say hi to my uh, co-host. Of course, this is Nancy in Indianapolis, in Indiana. In South Bend, let me say that again. Nancy is in the state of Indiana, in the city called South Bend. How are you doing, Nancy? Hi, Noah. How are you? Good evening, our listeners. Just saying hello from our beautiful city of South Bend. It's warm and beautiful out here. How is in, in Indianapolis? Yeah, listen, Indiana is uh, Indianapolis is good. Uh, the weather was cloudy, with a uh, chance of. Uh, uh, they, were, they were actually forecasting a thunderstorm, but we didn't get that. At least in my neck of the woods here, we didn't get that. So at least it's just some light drizzle rain here and there. So, but at least mostly, mostly good. At least it's not snow, so which is good. So awesome. 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 let me say uh, hi to our brethren out there from Louisiana. Brother Warren, how are you doing? 
I'm doing well, Noah. Greetings from New Orleans. Greetings to you, Nancy. I want to say to you, Nancy, Numela Muchwani. Handa Muchwani, that's a surprise. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Nancy, break it down for our listeners who don't know what that is. Well, he just treated me that, uh, how are you doing? <laughs> Greetings, how are you doing? <laughs> and, Thank and, you and so Nancy much. For, and Nancy, for you, my answer, if you ask me how I was doing, I would say, Mizuhili Hande. Mizuhili Hande, that is wonderful. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I see. You're Brother Warren is doing, he's doing his homework. <laughs> Exactly, exactly, exactly. I'm so happy. I'm so proud of him. Oh, yeah. No, that, that, that's a great surprise. Great surprise. Me nani zuile hande. Me to mezi. Me to mezi. Oh, ni to meza olushangwe. Muzue hande. Oh, no, that's good. That, that's a good surprise, Brother Warren. Yeah, so that's for those who are... You've yeah, missed so my evening, are, actually. Oh, yes. Yeah. So far... Nancy's evening has been made, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. So for those who are just listening uh, and don't know what's going on, so Brother Warren is actually an, a, a brother from here, an African American. So he was speaking. I think he's learning some lozi. So that's basically what is going on. Nancy is, of course, uh, my colleague from the nation of Zambia, and she comes from Western province, and they speak a, a language called Lozi. Uh, and then Brother Warren is learning, so she, this is the first time that he has actually greeted her in our local language, so she was surprised and that he's actually doing his homework. Uh, I think he's catching up on Google, or maybe... Uh, how, how are you learning, Brother Warren? No, what I did, I told you, I went on YouTube, and I mm-hmm. saw, I, I typed in Lozy, and I saw mm-hmm. all these pretty Lozy ladies, and I got, I got drawn in. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's it. I mean, that, that's the best incentive you can get. <laughs> yeah, that, that's great. I that's bet great. Noah doesn't even know how to greet in Lozy, I bet. Um, um Tosinch one. I, I think that's how you respond. Oh okay, Hanam Tosani. Yeah, no, at least I, I, I know a few ways here and there. So I caught you by surprise, okay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we we have two special guests joining us this evening. This is of course uh, a gentleman who I've known for quite some time. This is uh he hails from Kenya. So he'll be sharing some perspective from Kenya, and this is Brother Reverend Pastor Patrick Lumumba Mulwale. So Lumumba is a very uh, unique, famous name, especially with African freedom, African struggle. So, of course, most of you are familiar with Patrice Lumumba, the former leader of uh, the, the Congo, previously it used to be called Zaire. So we have Mr. Patrick Mulwale joining us all the way from Indianapolis. We, it's just somewhere close to where I am here in Indiana. Uh, this is Mr. Mulwale. So let me say hi. Hi, 
So, Mr. Patrick, how are you doing, sir? I am doing wonderful. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on this show. It looks like a fun show already. <laughs> yeah. Before, by the end of the show, I'll be speaking Lozi. Is it Lozi? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. We, 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 hope, we hope you do that. Yeah, I'm going to introduce you to some Swahili, too, so that... Uh... Oh, yeah. yeah. Swahili. Thank you. Yeah, we are happy to to have you. And also, the other gentleman joining us, he hails from Uganda. And this is also another Patrick, but he is Patrick Kasozi. So, Mr. Patrick Kasozi, welcome to our show, sir. Thank you, Noah. Thank you for inviting me. And uh, just a correction, uh, Mr. Muluwali and I live in a city called Avon in Indiana. Oh, not yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Avon, which is just adjacent to... Thank, uh, thank you for that correction. Yeah. Mm. So well, welcome, sir, to our show. Thank you for having me. Good, good. Yeah, so we'll be looking at African liberation, which is, of course, called African Freedom Day. May the 25th, so uh, Brother Warren is going to give us some perspective from the uh, American side, because during the struggle in the 60s, of course, that coincided with what was going on up here in the United States. So look at um, freedom from from the American side during the... uh, uh, 60s and also look at what was happening in Africa during the 60s because this is when African countries were uh, gaining independence of course Zambia got its independence in 1964 and of course these are the countries of uh, Kenya and Uganda I think they got that independence around the same time so we'll be sharing perspective looking at what freedom means uh, is Africa free mm-hmm. and things like that? So mm-hmm. to get us started, let's have Brother Warren. Brother Warren, can you just uh, open us out as we get started on African freedom? Give us the perspective from the American side as we look to the African side. I'm going to give you in a few seconds a crash course in uh, the uh, American blacks relationship with Africa. First of all, we have to keep in mind that American blacks' ancestors were African people from Africa. They spoke African languages. They practiced African spiritual systems. And they found themselves in a situation where they were chattel enslavement, and they developed a resistance to it. So from the time the Africans were brought here, they organized themselves. They escaped from slavery. They organized organizations where they were able to and they maintain a psychological connection with the African continent. And so, for example, when you have countries like Liberia, that was uh, partially established from uh, blacks, U.S. blacks that had been enslaved here and had gone to Liberia, there were always discussions about going back to Africa as a possibility uh, to escape the harsh treatment here. I would say somewhere around the 1930s and 40s, that may have died down. But from the time uh, Africans were brought here up until maybe the 1930s and 40s, there was always a talk 
are looking to Africa as a possibility to go and resettle by many black people. Uh, Marcus Garvey comes along as, uh, well, of course, you have Pan-Africanism that starts about 1900. There were conferences held in Europe by blacks from all over the world addressing uh, Africa in the African-descended people situation. Marcus Garvey comes along in the late 19, or the 1920s, and he demands that the that uh, the European colonial powers give his organization African territories, okay? And then we move to World War II. We get to the 1960s where not only in the United States there's uh, a crescendo of a movement for freedom, but it's also reverberating around in Africa. And people like Martin Luther King goes to Ghana's independence in 1957, Malcolm X travels and visits the African countries. And not to mention African heads of states like Namdi Azikiwe, Kwame Nkrumah, and many Africans who went to school in the United States were very much influenced by the thinking and political thought of American blacks or African Americans as we see more appropriate today. Yeah, that's, that's very true, Brother Warren, because I think if you look at uh, people like Kwame Nkrumah, I think he was a, a member of, a, a, I think, the Harlem History Club. This is where Professor John Henry Clark and the others they subscribed. So I think I've watched even a documentary where uh, Professor John Henry Clark had actually traveled to to um, to Ghana when he was actually assuming office. So that that's a very good. And, and, and yeah. let me add this real quickly. Mm-hmm. In uh, 1896, when King Menelik of Ethiopia defeated the Italians, Menelik was trying to modernize Ethiopia, and he also was entertaining African Americans to also come. Uh, Forty years later, when Italy invaded Ethiopia, African Americans in the United States tried to go and help Ethiopia the United mm-hmm. States government wouldn't let them. But Haile mm-hmm. Selassie was grateful for that, so he also gave land to African Americans, and he was very much, he recruited, in fact, Ethiopia's Air Force was started mm-hmm. by an African American. Uh, so there's a lots of historical relationship uh, between <laughs> blacks in the U.S., blacks in the Caribbean, and their relationship with their ancestor homeland Africa. Yeah, that's that's very true. That's very true. Yeah. So uh, if you're just joining us, you are listening to Primetime Radio Show. We are looking at African Freedom Day. So, Nancy, before we get to our uh, our two guests, Nancy, can, can, can you speak a little bit about the African Freedom Day? What, what, what is African Freedom Day uh, based on the research that you were working on? All right, all right. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, good evening, our listeners. Um, actually, um, African Freedom Day is a very interesting day. So I'm just going to quote from um, Nelson Mandela here that uh, for to be free is not merely to cast off one's chain, but to live in a way that respects and enhances the freedom of others, which is a very, very strong uh, statement here as we look at uh, um, African Freedom Day, which is it's actually Africa's day. It's formerly African Freedom Day, 
and mm-hmm. African Liberation Day. It's an annual commemoration of the OAU. The OAU is the Organization of the African Unity, uh, which is now called the Amer- um, African Unity. It was actually created on May 25th, 1963. That's why we celebrate this day on May 25th. Mm-hmm. So it was actually intended to celebrate and acknowledge the successes of the OAU and also are in the fight against colonialism and, apar- and apartheid, as well as the progress that the African continent has made while reflecting upon the common challenges that the continent faces in today. So when I read the last statement, I was like, what are some of the challenges that um, the beautiful African continent is actually facing? So I look, I can just summarize them there. I know we have our, our guest speakers today who are going to go into details about uh, the issues that affect um, the African continent and to see if we are really, really free. I think when I was looking at this topic, I was looking at it like, is Africa really, really free? Are we free mentally from uh, the enslavement? From, uh, are we still economically enslaved or in bondage? So these are the questions that we have to be tackling today as we look at this Africa Freedom Day. And I know I love Facebook, and I saw a lot of my friends celebrating Africa Freedom Day, but the question that really transpired within my mind is, are we really free? What are we celebrating here as African women? So uh, some of the um, challenges that the African continent is facing, actually, that still continues. They've been there for decades. We're talking of, of corruption. We're talking about our leaders clinging to power, the dependence syndrome, the poverty levels, and also illnesses. On illnesses, we've come a long way, actually, with our modern medications getting into Africa and the, uh, the breakthroughs of the vaccinations. And as we discussed about the vaccinations last week, oh, the other time when we're talking about our, uh, the COVID vaccines, we've seen the successes that some of these vaccines have They've had a, a, a big impact on the African continent. Actually, the eradication of polio was one of the uh, biggest successes, and also tuberculosis. Um, so uh, looking at this theme this year, they are talking about uh, celebrating Africa as in art, culture, and heritage. So we'll be looking much deeper in the arts of the uh, um, the, the arts and the culture of the African continent. As you know, it's... Uh, it's a very big continent, and we are enjoying the diversity that we enjoy there as it relates to culture and uh, ethnicity. So that's it for now. I don't want to uh, ponder much into this topic. So uh, what do you have, Noah, before we move forward? Yeah, yeah. So I think at this point, uh, thank you for sharing. Now we'll transition to bringing in our two guests to give us their perspective We'll start with the, 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 see, there are two Patricks. So there's Patrick from Uganda and Patrick from Kenya. So let's go with Patrick from Uganda. Uh, give us a little bit of background information about Uganda, because I think most people, I think what I've seen, especially here in the United States, is when people look at Africa, they look at Africa as a country, not knowing that there are 54, I think, 54 countries. So give us a a perspective on Uganda, uh, because I know Uganda got its independence from in the 60s. So share a little bit about the independence, where, who who colonized Uganda, what type of, uh, give us just a few uh, overview of Uganda before we transition to uh, the liberation struggle. 
Thank you, Noah. So Uganda geographically uh, sits on the eastern side of Africa. It's bordered by Kenya in the east, uh, uh, Congo in the west, uh, Tanzania in the south, uh, Rwanda and Burundi somewhere in the southwest, and uh, Sudan in the north. So it is a landlocked country and really depends on, on a railway line that goes to Mombasa, Kenya, or Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. And uh, has a population of about uh, 24 million people. So it's not really, in terms of population, it's not really a big country. But uh, it has about 50 indigenous tribes within that population. So you can imagine it has, and all these tribes have unique lang languages they speak. So um, it's, it's unique in, that, in the sense that it's got that, uh, that ethnicity that, uh, that is indigenous to, to the country. And it got its independence in 1962, was colonized by England, and uh, the, uh, part of the, their colony, you know, Tanzania, Kenya, and Uganda pretty much were, were, were a colony of, of the British. And Uganda got its independence in 1962. So it's about 50 plus years now since it got independence. Good, good, good to know, good to know. So uh, let's now transition to Kenya. So uh, this is the other Patrick. Uh, the same question, give us just a little bit background, who colonized Kenya and what's the population size and when did Kenya get it, its, its independence? Yeah, uh, thank you again, uh, Noah, and your co-host for uh, allowing us to be part of this uh, this uh, this program. I really think it's very important that we in the diaspora, you know, uh, continue to think of our continent because our continent is one of the richest and the most could be the most powerful continent on this planet because it has retained a lot of the stuff that makes a continent rich, Africa has it. Be it in, uh, in minerals, be it in, what, in uh, just everything, we have it in our continent. But unfortunately, um, we have those who really don't want us to have it. And they mm -hmm. do everything in their powers to make us feel like we are we don't have anything and of course that culture of help me help me to be uh, the culture that we have adopted mostly in Africa and that is a horrible culture because once you be, become subordinate to another uh, they tend to have power over you and Anyway, I wasn't supposed to go there. I was supposed to talk about Kenya first. Maybe let me go back. <laughs> yeah, Kenya <laughs> is a beautiful country, a beautiful country. Uh, uh, I grew up in Kenya when Mzee Jomo Kenyatta, that's the name that is very famous with Kenya, was president. Um, uh, Kenya gained its, its independence in 1963. I was only <laughs> two years old. I was born in 1961. Um, so at that time, uh, one of the mottos that Kenyatta had 
to rebuild Kenya because we had fought a lot of fights with the colonialism. And um, we had a, a, a group. Now, the West is trying to make us call it a terrorist group, but it was a freedom fighters group called the Mau Maus. And the Mau Maus came from the region where the colonialists, that was the most fertile area in, uh, in Kenya, and they decided to settle on those highlands in Kenya. And they displaced all the people, took their land, took their farms, and then in turn turned them into squatters on their own farms. And so the men whose land was taken, and that's mainly where the Kikuyu, when you hear the Kikuyu people, uh, that's where their land was. And the colonialists just took it by force from under them, and the men refused to, to let go. And so they went into the forest and they started fighting the colonialists from the forest. Now they were very good at uh, at ambushing, and uh, I think in the end they, they ended up winning against these colonialists, and they finally started yielding to to let uh, uh, Kenya be independent. But. Um, in the history books that were written through the Western eye, these people were being called terrorists. But now, as we uh, get to know the history of our continent and rewrite our own history, we now know who was a terrorist and who wasn't. And these people are people who are just fighting for their land. And a lot of this enlightenment came to the African continent because uh, uh, before I came to the United States, I worked with uh, I worked with the Ministry of Agriculture in, in uh, soil conservationist, and I was sent after my high school. I went to work in a very remote area in uh, in, in Kenya, and while there, I worked with these old men because we were digging terraces around hills to stop soil erosion. So I was allowed to hire several uh, people who would dig because we just used the hand tools. And so as I was sitting with this old man, and I, I, when we had a break, we'd sit down there and start talking. This old man who are from very deep remote villages were talking about places in Europe, in Germany, where they had been fighting a war. And I think they want, that's when a lot of them were enlightened about the importance of land, <laughs> you know, because while out there, they kept asking why, because they were just picked by the British, uh, we were colonized by the British, by the way, and when they were fighting the wars in Germany, they recruited all able men and put, showed them how to shoot a rifle, put them on the on planes and send them to Europe to face the Germans, you know. So while they were fighting, that's when they got enlightened and they kept asking, why are we fighting? And these people would say, we are fighting for our land. The Germans want to take our land, so mm -hmm. that is why we must defeat them. And then they started thinking, but uh, you have taken our land. <laughs> We didn't resist, and now we're squ 
borders on our own lands and stuff. So I think that enlightened a lot of Africans into coming back after the World War. They started being sensitized to defend their own land. And so what the colonialists thought, they were just sending them out there, they were enlightening them. And that's when, in the 60s, uh, African countries started uh, started demanding their own freedom too. If you can fight for your own land, we will fight for ours too. So that is how the resistance movement started, especially from the context of Kenya. Yeah. No, okay. um, yeah, yeah. No, that 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 that's uh, that that's a good good, bra, uh, uh, Mr. Patrick. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we gonna. <coughs> Play a song and uh, give give our listeners just a few seconds to stretch, get a cup of water. So this is a beautiful song talking about freedom. So this was done by one of the Zambia's. Uh, this is one of the anthem in Zambia, and this is a song that is played during every independence uh, celebration. It's a song called Ubutungu. Uh, I know you may not really get the meaning of uh, this is since this is one of Zambia's uh, uh, tr- uh, languages. So, but I'm sure you'll be able to enjoy the track. So, enjoy this track, and then we'll be back in a few minutes. This is uh, Ubuntu.
That was, of course, a beautiful track uh, called Ubuntungwa. I know I may have butchered the uh, pronunciation, but it's Ubuntungwa. Nancy, can you tell us what, what that song is talking about? Well, um, Ubuntungwa, um, you know, I'm lousy. I'm not Bemba, but I'm going to try a little bit here. Let me rewrite this song to uh, a quote that was made by Amilka Gabriel uh, in the revolution in Guinea, written in 1965, it says, always bear in mind that the people are not fighting for ideas, for the things in anyone's head. They are fighting to win material, material benefits, to live better in, the, in peace, to see their lives go forward, to guarantee the future of their children. So in relating this quote to that song, it actually means that we, we, we as the Zambian people, we want our freedom from the colonial masters, which were the British in 1964. And that um, the people who sang this song, they were warning us that, they were warning the leaders that we have to be careful about selling the land to these white people that are coming back in the country now with a lot of money. So we have to secure the future of our children, of, our, of the generations to come, of what, that's what is going on in Zambia right now with the Chinese. So we're talking about neo-colonialism, which is equally as dangerous as colonialism itself. So I don't want to go much into details with that. Um, Brother Warren, are you still there? Yes, I'm here. I'm listening attentively. <laughs> Did you enjoy this song? <laughs> Do you have yes, anything to say what I've just said? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, remember last time you spoke about you you gave us this quote that said uh, when the white um, people went to Zambia like oh, to Africa the missionaries they gave us the Bible told us to pray and when we opened up our eyes the land was gone so this is what yeah. this song was also warning us warning it was written a long time ago it's one of the those uh, songs that really still mean a lot in us as Zambians I'm looking at the way forward what we are going to and the Chinese flocking into Africa now with a lot of money yeah, to buy yeah. properties and land. So so uh, you can go ahead and just uh, do your contribution over that. Yeah, well, you know, Noah, Noah shared with me a, uh, a one-minute, 30-second video, and it was about when the, you know, the Chinese 
pay for the new African Union building in Addis Ababa. And uh, African tech, they discovered that they were, uh, the servers uh, were sending information to China, and it was bugged, you know. So the Chinese had bugged the entire new African Union building. And so one of the things I'm going to contribute, now you do have in what we call the uh, African-American political progressives, those who see themselves as progressives, there's a strand of political thought that adheres to uh, socialism uh, slash Marxism, you know, and they feel that China and Russia are some sort of allies, some sort of members in solidarity with the black struggle and with Africa. And I, of course, I disagree with that uh, angle. And I think we need to be concerned whether or not the Chinese and the Europeans are working together to try to find a way to not go to war with each other over Africa's resources. And these people in power, they will have agreements behind closed doors all the time. You will hear politicians speak against China, but you will still see business with China taking place. You know, and so we have to be careful. So when we say the white man, we might have to include people like the Chinese as part of that whole mindset of people who look at African people as something to exploit and extract something from. That is a very, very uh, important point because um, as I'm looking at the discussion today, I saw that, yes, Mm. we were colonialized, but uh, that problem Mm. was over, and then we went Mm. through a change of governments where we had uh, a lot of Mm. corruption there, dictatorships, Mm. and uh, most of the Mm. African um, presidents not wanting to leave power, Mm. and now, you know, to just a lot of corruption. So uh, there was a Dr. Kwame Nkrumah, the former president of Ghana, I think he observed that uh, the next problem in Africa was going to be neocolonialism, which he said that all these rich people are going to go into Africa with a lot of money and buy the land. So as you've said, yes, we have to categorize the Chinese into that category too, you know, because that's exactly what they're doing right now in, in Africa. So, uh, Noah, are you still there? Do you have anything to say? Yeah, so th- thank you, Brother Warren. Thank you, Nancy. So let's, uh, before, uh, I think I'll give my comments uh, later on. Let's go to uh, Brother Patrick uh, uh, Kasozi, Uganda. Can you share a little bit about African Freedom Day from your perspective? What do you uh, think it's happening. Do we have any freedom in Uganda? When people are celebrating African Freedom Day in Uganda, what are they celebrating? Thank you, Noah. Uh, thank you, Brother Warren. And uh, Nancy, those were very nice comments. Um, uh, Noah, to answer your question, um, there is some freedom that was attained in the 60s based off the struggles of, of, of African-Americans here in America and in Africa, you know, the, the Kwame Nkrumahs, the Kenyattas, 
and and in South Africa, you know, all the way up to the 1990s, there is some degree of freedom in the sense that the the colonial masters in Africa gave back political power to Africans. And Africans at that point in the 60s could determine their political future. That was a plus in the 60s. Now, the problem that came, in my opinion, was in Uganda. For over 100 years, the British colonials had built a, a subservient class of people in a clock to manage their, 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 their colonies. So they had uh, managers that were British, but the clerks were Ugandan. Now, in 1962, they woke up one day and said, you guys, we hand you over a country. So there was no capacity from, for, for, for the, the civil service in Uganda did not have the capacity to manage a whole country at that point because they were clerks. They were not managers. So I'll give you an, an example. Everybody knows uh, Idi Amin. Idi Amin is synonymous with Uganda. But Idi Amin was a sergeant in the colonial uh, 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 army. He went to, 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 to the World War. When he came back, he was a sergeant, but he was the highest-ranking army officer in Uganda in 1962. So he, when, when, they, when they gave power back to the, the army, back to the Ugandan government, they promoted all these sergeants and, and corporals to these, uh, to these official officer ranks. In other words, the Ugandan army was really made up of corporals and sergeants. And that is the army that took over power in 1971 because, you know, the civil service was not equipped to manage the country. And Uganda still lives with that legacy of not having uh, a competent managerial class. To build on uh, the to build on after the colonialists left, and I, I, you will find this all this theme it, it will, will 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 be propagated throughout Africa. You know, the, most of the problems we are getting today, 50 years later, is because there was no class of individuals that could manage what the British had built or the the colonialists had built, and coupled with that. The, the colonial masters controlled the, 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 the economy, the world economy. So if they control the world economy, it's like you having a house and having your child and telling him, hey, you're going to have a room, but then access to going outside, you have to pay me and go out. Anything you're going to buy, you have to buy from me. And uh, if they try to resist you, 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 sh you shut them out. You know, you put uh, sanctions on them. You know? mm -hmm. So this it, it, freedom in Africa is really limited to what economic European powers or the West mm -hmm. really can determine to give them. You know, it, it, is not, it, it, is, it is not really free, when, especially when it comes to economic power. Africans do not have that economic power that they really need. Now, how do we revolutionize that? That's a big another topic, I guess, for another day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that that's good. Thank you for yeah. Thank you for sharing. Because uh, usually, when people look at Africa, like I said uh, from the onset, Africa is perceived mm. as a country. So before we go to uh, the other Patrick from Kenya, let me just mm. give a little mm. bit of uh, statistics about the African mm. continent. 
So the African continent, of course, consists of 54 countries, and all the 54, uh, let's see, with the exception of two countries, Ethiopia, and most people, when you ask them, the only country in Africa which was never colonized, they will say it's Ethiopia. But of course, you have to factor in Liberia. Liberia is a land, of course, most of the people came from uh, these parts, the United States, and some of them returned. So Africa is not a country, but it's a continent. Uh, Africa is made up of Arabic-speaking languages. I think most people may not know. Uh, on the northern part, Arabic uh, is one of the uh, prominent languages, and of course you have English spoken by maybe 130 million people, and then of course you have Swahili. So the good thing about Swahili is parts of um, East Africa, including the Congo, the Swahili is a, is a language that is common. So I'm sure people, uh, Mr. Patrick from Uganda speaks Swahili uh, in his country, and in Kenya they speak Swahili, and then also in Tanzania they speak Swahili. So most of the African, I mean the Eastern African countries, they have Swahili as a, a common language. So there's a little bit of uh, Hosa and Beba, uh, Portuguese and Spanish. The, the Spanish people did not really uh, capture much of the land in Africa compared to the Latin American countries. So over 25% of all languages that are spoken in Africa, uh, over 2,000 are recognized as languages uh, spoken. Because I know, like, for instance, in Zambia, we have usually the question is, do we have 75 languages or we have 75 dialects? So 2,000 languages are recognized across Africa as uh, uh, continental languages. So Africa is, the, Africa is the second most populous continent with about 1.1 billion people. Uh, I'm sure by now the numbers are going up. Well, when you look at a country like China, China, I think, I'm not sure the statistics on, uh, Nancy, can you check for me the population of China? So you see, one country, China, uh, equals, I think, they're almost uh, uh, at a one-to-one ratio with the population in Africa. So uh, Africa, I think, the last statistic showed that it was about 1.1 billion people. So Africa 1.4. is... 1.4. Oh, that's a lot. That's a lot. So I think this is yeah. why uh, mm-hmm. some of these countries, they are offloading the people onto other parts of the world. So I like the comment that Brother Warren shared that they are always behind the scenes, the things that happen, some handshakes going on. And because for us, we, we are only seeing what is happening on the forefront. Just like, for instance, when you look at a, at a clock, a, a wristwatch, you are able to see the time, but a lot of things are happening on the back end. So when you see what we're seeing on TV, we are presented one side of the story. So we have to be, always be cognizant of the fact that 
what we're seeing, there is usually more to the story. So I just thought maybe I share a little bit about the statistics because I know most people usually think Africa is a, is a, is a country, but no, Africa is actually a continent. So the second, uh, I think we'll give a little bit of statistics, I think, as we proceed, but just wanted to make sure that at least we uh, make that distinction. And also, Af- people in Africa do not live in trees, because <laughs> I'm sure that is very common. And people in Africa do not walk around naked, because uh, usually people say, how, how did you know how to speak English? How did you get here? And things like that. So there is actually an airport. You can actually fly from JFK. It lands directly onto Kenya, is I think in Nairobi, or in Uganda, it's in Kampala, and of course, I mean Zambia, Osaka. So we have airports and we have a technology for people to travel back and forth. So I just thought maybe I put that on record, just because think think people might think Nancy. And her tribe people there, they are, the Lozis are walking naked. <laughs> so I just wanted to capture that on, on tape. Yeah, so now let's go to Kenya. Uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Mulwale, can you, can you share a little bit about the, the political situation in your country? When people say they're celebrating uh, May the 25th, what exactly are they celebrating yeah freedom all the speakers have spoken so well for us to understand uh, uh, about Africa and freedom you know most of ministers so sometimes I have to throw in a little bit from what I've learned from the theology Uh, in the book of Nehemiah chapter chapter 4 these people had the land destroyed, they, uh, and they had an opportunity to rebuild the walls of their land. Now I'm talking about the Jews in those days. And as they were trying to rebuild, there are those who were, couldn't think they could make it. And they were mocking them. In fact, one said, oh, is that wall, even if a fox jumped over, that wall will fall. But they were determined, the people. And they were sure that if they all put their heads together and work together, that wall will be, will be built. And Nehemiah studied the situation, and he decided, okay, uh, they will try to destroy our wall as we built it. So he stationed the people, those who were building, and each one was, wore a sword on his side. So in case these people came to destroy their land, they were able to fight back. And I think we can see, take a lesson from that. The first time they came, we, we didn't know exactly what their purposes were until it was too late and the land was taken. The 60s, we ended up fighting for our lands. But unfortunately, I think, no, well, no, you don't say, you say something like that, where they they had control. Oh, no, it was Patrick, I saw, where they, the economic powers were not with us. 
So even when you were given independence, allowed to be independent, well, we're really independent. And then they still control everything. Now they built a factory, for example, they built a factory in Kenya. When they controlled Kenya at that time, and never a part went broken, uh, a part of the machinery broke. They, all they needed was a telegram, and the next day, a part was brought back. So when they gave us independence, they allowed us to be independent. You see, whenever a part broke down now on machinery, that already there. I'm just using one example of a machinery, but that was going on through the whole continent, whole, whole country and the continent. So when we wanted a part fixed, if we send that telegram, it will not come. It will come with a high, high price because they say now it's your machine, you fix it yourself. But for us to help you with this, to get this part, you have to pay extra, extra, extra. And that is why a lot of the industrialization started going down after the colonialists left. Because now you're left with uh, this big factory where you know what is needed, but you're not being given what's needed because they controlled that. I want, I'm so, uh, I, we can't talk of African freedom without... Um, uh, thinking of this great, great African hero of our time uh, who just passed away recently, Magufuli, uh, from Tanzania. He is a reminder of what those early, early people like Julius Nyerere, Kwame Nkrumah, hoped for Africa. You see, when I started talking, when I, was, when I said something earlier, I said we we have to take away that mentality that we can't do it unless we borrow, we get the monetary fund from the whatever, or to get aid from China or from the U.S., from Europe. You know, once we put ourselves in that position, we cannot really attain much. Magufuli refused. When he wanted to develop uh, Tanzania, when he got into power, the Chinese were the first one to rush to him, trying to ask him if uh, lend him so much money so that he could build all these projects. He refused, but instead he decided to. He told his people, "We have money within." And so the first thing he tackled was the corruption within the the country, and he was able to find so much money that was being wasted by the leaders. And when he curbed all that, you know, in that short life he lived, he took Tanzania from one of the poorest countries in the world, you know, and moved, him a step, moved Tanzania a step higher. He built infrastructures for money that was not borrowed, but money that was recovered from within the country. So I think what for freedom, Africa to be free, we need to get a page from people, leaders, short-lived leaders like Magufuli. I am named after, we are named after a great leader to Patrice Lumumba when he gained, he fought for the independence of the Congo people. 
Congo is one of the richest countries in Africa, yet it is the poorest. Why? It's because because we, because uh, Patrice Lumumba, I remember reading about him because I got interested. Why was I named after this guy? What did he do? What made him so famous? Patrice Lumumba, uh, when uh, Congo gained its independence, uh, the Belgians had prepared a speech that they wanted to hear from him. And he refused to follow that speech. So when he got to the podium, he told them exactly what independence means. Because they were insisting that we get Congo independent all around, but wherever there's treasure, like Shaba province is where there's copper being mined. Wherever there's all these valuable minerals, they would still control that. And that's why Patrice Lumumba says, wait a minute, you can't, you can't tell me I'm giving you back your house, but let me hold on to your wallet. You know, I will control how you use your wallet. He said, mm-hmm. no, independence is independence. If you're going to let us be free, let us be free. So yes, yes. When, when he insisted that way, uh, that is why look what ended up with him. And that is what we fear for good leaders. Die early. That's, that's we wonder why true. they're dying early. Mm. That's very true. Well Absolutely. said, uh, Mr. Patrick. Yeah, so we're going to take uh, just one more short break and then we'll, uh, we'll open up the lines for our listeners. So uh, before we do that, we're going to play a song and when we come back, if you have something to share, please Press one on your keypad, then you'll get a notification on our end here, and then you'll be able to unmute your line. So we're going to play a song by Zambia's first Republican president, and then, of course, this is none uh, none other than uh, Dr. Kenneth Kaunda. He's actually the only, only African leader from the 60s who is still alive, because, of course, they are... Patrice Lumumba, Kwame Nkrumah, and of course Julius Nyerere, Daniel Arab Moi, Jomo Kenyatta, and all these people are gone. But uh, we are still fortunate enough to have this gentleman singing. So this is, let me play a song by KK singing Tiende Pamozi. So here goes.
That was the first Zambian Republican president, Dr. Kenneth Kaunda, singing Tiende Pamozi Nimti Maumo. That simply means let's walk together with one heart. Kaunda made himself a name during uh, prior to the uh, independence struggle because he was a singer that made him distinct from the rest because he would play the guitar, he would play some songs, and that's why I think he was able to resonate with a lot of our uh, people uh, back then. But there are a lot of uh, African leaders who uh, struggled uh, for Africa. So when we are celebrating African Freedom Day, what we're celebrating are those men and women who sacrificed. And in some situations, of course, others had to pay the ultimate price for freedom. Of course, we remember uh, people like, uh, for, for, for instance, in, in South Africa, uh, Stephen Biko. Stephen Biko was actually murdered. So that was a gentleman who was fighting the apartheid government at the time. Of course, you have people like Samora Macheo from Mozambique who was actually assassinated in a plane crash. And just recently, we lost our comrade from Zimbabwe. This is Robert Mugabe, one of the land African leaders. So back in 1980, the great Bob Marley and the Whalers actually was invited by Robert Mugabe to sing uh, during the independence celebration for Zimbabwe in 1980. And countries like Namibia got its independence in 1990, which is just recently. But we pay tribute, homage to, of course, especially those who paid the ultimate uh, sacrifice, because in Fighting for freedom. Freedom is something that you fight for. It's something that you put your life on the line. It's mm. either this or that. So we have a lot of uh, brave men and women who did just that for us to be able to even have this conversation up here. So as we reflect uh, on what this uh, celebration which is Africa Day in other countries or African Liberation Day or African Freedom Day, we are celebrating those who came before us, especially those who were actively engaged in the struggle for freedom. These, of course, like I pointed out before the song, the only surviving African head of state who was actively uh, uh, fighting the Europeans uh, is Kenneth Kaunda, who turned uh, 97 in April, I think it was on the 27th. So we are still glad and excited that the old man is out there. So we pay tribute to him. And of course, we have great people. Uh, Julius Nyerere, you have the Kwame Nkurumas of this world. You have in Senegal, Leopardo Seda. And you have Namdi Azikiwi from Nigeria. And we have just countless, countless leaders. So as we celebrate, ladies and gentlemen, we honor, we pay tribute to the countless uh, people who have made it possible for us. So as we continue, so if you have a question at this time, you are free to press one on your dial pad. And I should be able to get an alert on my end here, and then we'll see 
who unmute your line and then you are able to share your thoughts. So if you have a thought, question, comment, you just press one on your dial pad. So while we wait for our listeners to chip in, let's go back to Mr. Patrick from Uganda. So Mr. Patrick, uh, when you look at this uh, celebration, now look at it from the current situation in your country, Uganda, and explain to us if the forefathers who fought for Ugandan freedom uh, were here today, would they be happy with what they are seeing going on in your country? Thank you, Noah. Um, so um, to answer your question, uh, I, I will allude to what Nancy had said earlier in the program, that independence happened for Africa. That is a political fact. But because of, of, uh, of, of the lack of competence of managerial of a country, Uganda mm-hmm. has gone through uh, cycles of violence for political power. Different, different functions wanting to grab that power using the force of arms. Mm-hmm. So from 1962, when they got independence, they only had only about nine years of, of relative political stability. Then in 1971, Idi Amin and, uh, and, his, and the Ugandan army took over power. Now, Idi Amin ruled Uganda for nine years up to 1979. And, uh, and because of his lack of managerial skills in that area, Uganda literally went south. Uh, there was no, no more roads, no, no more infrastructure. There was no more power. There was no basic, basic uh, uh, amenities. And, and the West put uh, uh, sanctions on Uganda. So Uganda went through a period of a dark period. Then a, a, a rebel group sprang up in the, in the early 80s, which also wrecked havoc. Mm-hmm until 1986, where we got some kind of stability, when one of the groups you know, took power. Now, what has happened after 1986 is the group has stayed on now for 30-plus years. So uh, they came in as young soldiers in 1986, but now they are 80 years, and they don't want to give up that political power. Now, because of that, nothing can foster development in a bad political situation. So, so Uganda, even though politically independent, it, 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 the, the rulers of the country today are not, uh, are, are not being really democratic as they should be. They, try, they have just gone through an, uh, an election cycle. And during the election, the candidates for presidency were being beaten, they were being imprisoned, and, uh, and, but these are people on the ballot. So, so to answer your question, I do not think that the forefathers who fought for freedom, this is a kind of freedom they were thinking of. But unfortunately, the realities on the ground is because of other influences on the African continent that uh, that are rooted in the in, in the minerals and and economic uh, advantages they can get in the continent, they tend to have a control over political players in the continent, and these political 
players to be able to satisfy the Western uh, economic powers have to oppress Africans, which is really sad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, thank you so much uh, for that, uh, uh, the panelists today, for for your contribution, uh, Mr. Patrick Lumumba Mulwale from Kenya and Mr. Uh, um, Warren in uh, New Warrens. Uh, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to be on this show, actually, because we kind of uh, learn a lot of things. As you've said, that um, Africa has gone through a lot of um, transformation, and we still have a lot of uh, problems there. Like, as you've already alluded, bad governance, corruption, and also, I think terrorism in some parts of Africa, like Nigeria and um, Somalia, also the local ethnicity, tribal wars, like what happened in Rwanda mm. some time back. I'm glad that Rwanda has now risen back to being one of the uh, major powers in Africa, so we actually thank them for that. We also talk about our religious conflict, the drought, the also insecurity, and population growth. So Africa has come a long way, and... Um, um, Brother Warren, can you please talk about the political climate in the 1960s for the African Americans in this country? Yeah, let, let me do this too, Nancy. Uh, as we talk about African Liberation Day, which is May 25th, you all will be hearing something in the news uh, as the days evolve. So on May 31st to June 1st in 1921, in the state of Oklahoma, it was a race massacre occurred in a part of Tulsa, Oklahoma. There was a section of Tulsa, Oklahoma called Greenwood. And Greenwood was uh, the black section of town that was very industrious. And they had a very had a sense of independence. They had cab companies. They had their own bus companies, several hotels restaurants, tailors, the whole nine yards. And I just want you all to know that you will be seeing many documentaries. You will be seeing major cable television news uh, features about that. And, and, and the speed to that is this. America was segregated. Legally, you had laws in place in the, American, in the southern states, but you also had customs in other parts of the United States. So What's very important for people to understand is that black people in the United States didn't have a dream to be integrated with whites. We wanted to be left alone to develop our own communities. And that's what black people did during segregation. And what you found, and by the way, little uh, Greenwood section, they, they were referred to it as the Black Wall Street, but it was also called Little Africa. And many of these communities in the southern states, the southwestern states, uh, had had elements where the black areas, the black areas were self-sufficient. They black people had provided themselves with the things they needed. Oklahoma was a Indian territory at first. It was the part of the country that the white man had designated Native Americans to be relocated to. It did not become a state until the early 1900s. Many black people flocked 
to Oklahoma because the way segregation worked was this. White people said, we're over here, this is our stuff, and you're over there, that's your stuff. And black people left the other southern states to go to Oklahoma because it was their chance to start businesses and enterprises. And so now we talk about what we lost during during desegregation. Desegregation means the end of segregation. Black people in the United States lost that sense of industrious spirit among Mm -hmm. each other. Yeah, that was lost. And we talk about it. We 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 reminisce about it. We 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 lament the fact that although we integrated, we lost the the the, the real aspect of what it means to be competitive in the United States. And that mm-hmm. is, if, if you don't have your own enterprises and your own uh, businesses to employ your own people, you're still going to be at the mercy of other people, particularly when you see the United States deindustrialized and sends all of it, it sends all of its factories out to China. So whenever white people become unemployed, you know what happens to us. There's a saying. When white people when white people get a cold, black people get the flu. <laughs> so so Nancy, I didn't wanna I didn't wanna jump back to the twenties and ignore your question about the sixties, but I wanted you all to be kinda understand what you'll be hearing in the next few days as it relates to Tulsa, Oklahoma and the black section that was dubbed the Negro Wall Street because it was so Highly industrial uh, that uh, that that people at the time had to refer to it as that, but it was also called Little Africa as well. Well, I thank you so much for giving us that history. I normally think about what could have happened to the African Americans now if uh, the Black Wall Street was still there, because I think uh, they started a good job then. But I see as I watch uh, through the struggles of the African-Americans and the continuous suppression, that was one major setback for the African-Americans because uh, we're talking about generational wealth. So they could have uh, developed themselves wealthy by now. They would have had something to look up to, you know what I mean? They would have built their wealth from that. It was very, very unfortunate that uh, African-Americans have continued to be suppressed in such a manner where, you know, they had that um, Wall Street coming up and somebody just went there and rooted the whole thing and killed so many people. That's very, very unfortunate. Um, Noah, over to you. I know we are 15 minutes past uh, 10 p.m. and we're waiting for people to ask any questions. If you have any questions, please press uh, the letter 1 and we'll be able to see your comments. Again, we are... um, Featuring Mr. Patrick Lumumba Mulwale from Kenya and Mr. Patrick Kasozi from Uganda. They are all based here in Indianapolis, Avon. So they, have, um, they are very, very knowledgeable about the African continent. And it's always a pleasure to be on this show and to learn from a different, uh, to hear different perspectives about different topics. Mm-hmm. So now yeah, back yeah. to you. Yeah, thank you, Nancy. Uh, thank you, Brother Warren. So just to add uh, a, a little to what Brother Warren said. So you see, uh, the our white counterparts were very cognizant of the fact of what was happening on the African continent in the 60s. 
also to dissuade our African people here on, uh, on this part of the world was to bring up this idea of integration, just like you heard from Brother Warren, uh, most of the uh, black people in this country, if not all, they did not want to, uh, uh, to assimilate into the white society, uh, but it was sort of a strategy to get our people not to demand for freedom, because in the 60s, that was what was happening, especially on the African continent. So some people, again, people who sit on the back end of things, they look at things, they are social think tanks that look to analyze what is happening so that at least they can uh, put out a narrative that everybody else is going to follow suit with. So that was integration was, did not arise from our black people here in the United States. No, it arose from the other side as a way to cause them not to take up arms or not to take, to convince them that they are better off assimilating not to stand on their own to maintain the black Wall Street as you have heard. So ladies and gentlemen, we are just a few minutes from the end of the show. It's, it's just amazing how time flies when you're having fun. So let's go to Mr. Mulu Patrick from Kenya. In just two minutes or less, what is your final message to our listeners on African Freedom Day? What do you want them to know in two minutes or less? Yeah, I would like the African people to know that it is not too late. We still have the power to regain our continent, and uh, we can still fight. We may not fight with the spears and swords and whatever, but we can fight with our minds. Those of us who have been enlightened, we can still fight. Let's curb corruption. And let's do them uh, like my other uh, namesake, Patrick, Patrice, uh, PLO, the professor, who really talks mm-hmm. hard about Africa. He says, magnification of Africa. Let us believe in ourselves. We can do it. If Magufuli could do it to save Green Tanzania from where it was to where he left it, if all African leaders took the Magufuli way, I'm sure we can we can do better. There's the other president of Ghana who's also speaking out, refusing to take handovers and allowing ourselves to develop ourselves. My biggest thing is let us not subordinate ourselves to others because they use our stuff to get rich and then they send us little bits. And then we take those little bits they give us and we think they've helped us. They're not helping us. They're using what we've given them to 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 make a lot from it and then give us triplets. So let us open our eyes, Africa. Let us open our eyes, all our leaders in Africa, and not allow ourselves to be beggars. We have what we need to succeed. Thank you, thank you, uh, Mr. Mr. Mulwale. So let's go to uh, Mr. Kasozi from Kenya, from Uganda. 
what is your final message to our listeners on this beautiful African Day celebration? Thank you, uh, Brother Noah. Yes, just to echo what uh, Brother Patrick has said, um, th- there is light at, uh, at the end of the tunnel. Uh, the era of, of, of the leadership we have in Africa, I think, is almost over. And the reason I say that is I'm optimistic with the new generation, a new crop of Africans that, has, that is coming up in, in, in terms of young men and women that uh, that are in tune with the global politics and can because of globalization africa cannot remain isolated in in bad practices so because of that uh, i'm hopeful that the next generation or us will be able to lift africa out of the predicaments we have today and probably in the next couple of years we should see a better Africa for everybody, and freedom should will mean something more than just you know um, a slogan of May 25th, but real freedom of of economic in economic and social practices. Thank you, thank you. Well said, sir. So Nancy, uh, your final message. Talk a little bit about Zambia. I know you didn't get a chance to mention some names. All right, all right. Uh, thank you so much. Um, as you say, that time moves quicker when you're having fun, right? So mm-hmm. I will not do this show justice without celebrating Zambia's freedom fighters. Of course, we mentioned about Dr. Kennedy Kawunda, and we we'll also give gratitude to the wife of uh, Dr. Kennedy Kawunda, Betty, Betty Kawunda, and also uh, Dr. Kawunda's vice president. We had the first vice president, Dr., uh, Mr. Ruben Kamanga, and also the second vice president after that was Simon Kapwepwe. And Simon Kapwepwe's children are still continue to excel, even in Zambia. They're one of the role models. We also had uh, Mr. Mainza Chona, who was the uh, Zambia's third vice president. Of course, we cannot uh, forget uh, Mr. Harry Mwangankumbula for the role he played during the liberation struggle, and so many names, and also the, their wives, uh, okay, their wives to these uh, uh, freedom fighters. Let's not forget them. We're talking about Betty Kawunda, Salome Kapwepwe, uh, Miss Yolanta Kamanga. These females were gallants for the freedom fighters. They actually house and, uh, you know, uh, they helped the nationalist leaders who were arrested. They were housing them. They were actually feeding them. They were also doing uh, a lot of, uh, you know, a fundraising for the liberation movement. So uh, just to anchor... I'm hopeful about the new Africa. I'm hopeful about um, where Africa is headed to. Like what I mentioned last time, that Africa is no longer a dark continent. I'm hopeful. I'm seeing a new wave of Africans, a new wave of uh, uh, new leaders, a new wave of Africans that, uh, that have been exposed to the Western world. They've attained the Western education, and they're now going back to Africa to, you know, to change the African way of doing things. So let's give it. Ten more years from now, we'll see a new wave of Africans getting into power. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy. Brother Warren. Brother You know, a lot of people uh, raise the question as if they're intellectuals, and they say, you know, Africa is just a continent, it's not a country. And maybe this talk about pan-Africanism is just a pipe dream. Well, let me say this to people who make those arguments. 
Whenever you say the word Africa or Africans anywhere in the world and in any language, the image of black people pops up. And wherever people are anti-black, they don't make a distinction of what nationality in Africa you're from or whether you're a black person from Europe or the United States. They see a black face, they attack. And we know this from China. Not only were Africans of various nationalities were mistreated last year during COVID in China, even the African-Americans that were there were put out of their hotel rooms and stuff like that. And when you go to Saudi Arabia, the Ethiopians who are proud that they were never colonized, you should see how those Arabs treat those Ethiopians during COVID, have them in chains as if they're in the slave trade. And so the reality is we're all stuck together whether we are a United States black person, a black person in the U.K., a black person in Jamaica or Brazil, or from any black person on the African continent, we are seen as the same, and we might as well organize as the same to resist those same anti-black attitudes that exist around the globe. Thank you, thank you, Brother Warren. You've you've been listening to Primetime Radio Show. This comes every Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Our topic for this evening, we were looking at African Freedom Day or African Liberation Day. So as we come to the end of our program, we just want to encourage our listeners that in order for Africa to change, it will take each and everyone's input. Uh, gone are the days when people would sit on the sidelines and just uh, throw stones or be armchair critics. Uh, we are encouraging people to get involved. Africa is our continent, uh, like Peter Tosh sang. Africans at home and those abroad, as long as you are black, you are an African, so it's important for us to understand and inculcate such those thoughts in our heads that we are one people, and we as a people, we can make a change, we can make a difference if we wake as one. So to the song that we played earlier on by uh, Kenneth Kaunda, which was talking about let's walk together because we are one, with one heart. So as we conclude, ladies and gentlemen, we are one. In order for us to make a difference, it will take us working collectively as one, the Africans at home and Africans uh, abroad. So I want to thank our uh, two guests, Mr. Patrick Asozi from Uganda. We appreciate your comments, your thoughts. Uh, Patrick uh, Lumumba Mulwale from Kenya, we appreciate your uh, taking time to be part of this uh, presentation. Till next time, join us at the same time, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. We'll have a new and different discussion topic. So we thank you and enjoy the rest of your evening. Till next time. <laughs>